This is Tamarindo Podcast. I'm Brenda Gonzalez. And I'm Ana Sheila Victorino. This is the Latinx Podcast where we discuss politics, pop culture, and how to balance it all con calma. Welcome to the show. On this episode of Tamarindo, Ana Sheila and I will travel back in time to our experience as college students. We'll share some advice we wish we knew as freshmen, and then we'll discuss the state of college access today and which presidential candidate has a plan for that. Guess what, Brenda? What, Ana Sheila? We can now officially say we are Tamarindo Podcast as seen on Oprah Magazine. Oh my God, Oprah Magazine? I bet she's listening right now. And that is all thanks to a listener who suggested us when Oprah Magazine was putting together a list of Latinx podcasts. And this is why we really appreciate when our fans take a few minutes to write us a review or suggest us for podcast recommendations. Yeah, here's an example of an awesome review of Tamarindo Podcast we received from our listener, Lizzie, where she says, I'm always learning something new. It's exciting to have Latinx women representation when discussing current affairs and culture in today's climate. And they have a fun and positive attitude that keeps me coming back for more. Yes. Thank you so much, Lizzie. So please rate and review Tamarino Podcast on Apple Podcasts today. It means so much to us. Yay! So September is back to school, and for many first-gen Latinx students, this is also when a lot of them are starting college for the first time, and that's who we are going to focus on today. And of course, if you've gone to college or thinking about college or can think back about college, all of that's going to be still relevant to you in this episode. But uh, we thought that we would start by going back in time, traveling in our little time machine that is the podcast, and... uh, let you know who we were back when we were starting college. Yes. So what are we going to do for that? And to get our memory going slash also age ourselves a little bit, <laughs> we're going to visit our college playlist. So Brenda, what were you listening to back in 2001-ish? Yes, yes, yes. Please do not do the math to figure out how old we are. So um, we decided we're going to start with some songs and I had to really think about what was on my playlist. And back then, I don't think it was a playlist. It was probably Napster. <laughs> what was on my Napster or maybe Maybe an actual CD for what you music young people. Were you stealing? It was like a little circle, and you put it inside. So I used to have this uh, yellow book song, Beetle, and the CD that, like, I know was on repeat was Vanessa Carlton. If you all remembered back in time, this song it was called "A Thousand Miles," and um, let's hear it. Yeah, everybody can remember those the little piano riff and like the the, t- the piano that's like flowing in the street. So that's the video if you all want to Google it and look it up. But the reason I wanted to start with this song is because I think it really defines a little bit about where I grew up. I, I grew up in Fullerton. This is a in Orange County. This is a very like family oriented community. It was diverse by Orange County standards, which isn't saying much. I mean, there was maybe a third, a third Latino, a third Asian, and mostly white. Um, actually, I probably did the math wrong there, but like, less than a third. It was mostly white. But anyways, and I went to a commuter school. I went to Cal State Fullerton. I lived at home. And my experience was was that just kind of like I worked it in and out. I stayed basically in my neighborhood, in my community. And that's what really colored my early years of college. And um, it just kind of tells you that I wasn't 
wasn't really into anything political or wasn't into anything edgy. I was totally a nerd. I went to home, I went home on time, met curfew. It really kind of shows you what kind of a dork I was my first year of college. So Listening what about to Vanessa Carlton? Yeah, I know Vanessa Carlton, <laughs> super innocent. So tell me, what about you, Anna Shayla? What what was on your playlist on your uh, freshman year of college? So my first song, and this was in 2004, um, is Nada Valgo Sin Tu Amor from Juanes. Yeah, so I chose this song because it kind of makes me think of this album came out while I was still in high school. And when I started college, I went up to the Bay. I went to Stanford. And my first quarter, I was actually really homesick. So I think it represents a lot of kind of what I was leaving behind. My community was probably, most of my friends were either Latinx or or Asian. And so like Juanes and that album, which was so, like every single song on it was so good. And it just, like I was missing that a lot my first quarter. Like I was wishing that I was, that I had maybe gone to a different school closer to home. So it kind of represents a lot of like what I was leaving behind. And and so that's kind of what why I thought of that song. Yeah. Plus it made me rock out, which is awesome. Yeah. No, I love when, you know, songs like get to the chorus and you're like, yeah, Yeah, I love it. I love it. Okay, so I'll tell you my second song. So the second song that um, I thought could help me travel back in time to that point in my life is Janet Jackson's All For You. I love Janet. I picked this Janet Jackson song for a couple reasons. One is that in 2001, maybe it was 2002, I went to a Janet Jackson concert and I went with a couple of friends that were really good friends of mine in middle school and in high school. And then we never hung out again. <laughs> and the, and it's not because Janet did anything. It's really more because of that. what happens in that time in your life. And I'm sure you can relate is when you're going to college and especially if you're going to different schools from your best friends, you know, your BFFs from high school, that's really a time where you really it's a, such a formative time in your life. You're shaping your identity and it, and oftentimes you lose some friendships. Mm-hmm. So any of you all that are starting college and you're starting to feel a little sentimental that you're not like best friends forever with those same gals that you were in the past, that's normal. That, that'll probably happen. So I wanted to kind of pause and, and, and let you all know that that's typical. And then the other thing I wanted to talk about this particular concert is that there was a part in, at the show where Janet Jackson has like a backdrop of New York City and the Twin Towers are shown and this was after 9-11. And there was, you know, everybody, there's probably thousands of people at that concert. Everybody went, oh, there was this collective pause. And and that is also very definitive of the time that I went to college. 9-11 had just happened when I started. And this this idea of everybody coming together as one, as American first, mm-hmm. I've never seen that happen again since. And I think it's a time... I think looking back, of course, it was a great, a great tragedy, but that that spirit, that unifying spirit is something that's very lacking in today's society. So I'm lo- kind of looking back nostalgically on that particular sentiment. Mm-hmm. But the other defining thing of, of that this song represents for me because of that 9-11 backdrop is 
that was the war, the Iraq war was very much a, a, a present element of my college experience. There's a lot of activism. There's a lot of conversations about our soldiers and, and it was something that everybody was talking about, the, mm-hmm. the weapons of mass destruction and how how much we hated Bush. That was very much definitive of like those you years of my on, life. on campus. For sure. I 100% felt and that And at your campus. school, did it feel like the sentiment was like very anti-war, anti-Bush or what did it well, feel it was like? A, I went to Cal State Fullerton which is in Orange County, which is Orange County tends to be pretty conservative. So it was a, it was a split, but I also went to a Latino serving institution. So it's a very diverse campus. So I I wouldn't say that it was, uh, I didn't feel strongly one way or another. And that I did feel like there was enough space there to navigate your own um, reaction to the war. And now going back, your, your question prompted like some of the classroom discussions. And certainly there were some people that were big time Fox News consumers and yeah. pro Iraq and thought we were all crazy and that, that there, there weren't, it wasn't a lie. So there were some interesting debates, but, um, I think it's, I'm sure I'm actually, I, as I'm thinking of the folks that are going to college now, I wonder what the political atmosphere is on those campuses given today's climate. Right. That's so interesting because I was in high school at the time and that's really like the first political discussion that I can truly remember was around the Iraq war and where, whether we should go into into war. And and I went to school, high school in, in Riverside and Riverside, there are a lot of Latino people there, but it is also a little bit country. So there definitely was a lot of diversity of, a, of opinion. And that definitely was the first time that I remember having a very strong political opinion and being very anti-war. Yeah. Speaking of country, what's the next song that you have for us? Yes. So my second song is Over and Over Again uh, by Nelly and Tim McGraw. So me and my freshman roommate listened to this song over and over again. Um, yeah, and so I chose this song because you know, it kind of reflects a little bit of like where I'm from. So Riverside, like like I mentioned, you know, very very Latino, but also a little bit country. Uh, you know, I lived very close to Norco, which is a horse town, and so we definitely had kind of that both of those. I guess that in, combination of of cultures and, and Riverside and and maybe that I'm not sure exactly why I, I I had a little country phase in in high school and that could be a little bit of of why and so it was combining hip hop which was a, a growing interest of mine and also a little bit of country I used to listen to Tim McGraw and Faith Hill and the Dixie Chicks so yes the Dixie Chicks where are they now they need to be dropping an album a political album right <laughs> and also Nelly I love that you mentioned Nelly because Nelly was way part of my college experience yeah. as well you know mm-hmm. getting hot in here getting hot in here. <laughs> Were you in college at that? I don't yeah, know when that I'm came not out, but... really certain what year that came out, but it sounds like around the early right? 2000s. Yeah. <laughs> it sounds like a sweaty, you know, yeah. dorm room party. And then you had another song that you would play in the dorm room? Which one's yes. the last so song? So my last song is Let Me Love You by Mario. Hit it. I still love this song. I still listen to this and I have all the same feelings. Um, so when I think back to freshman year, this is the song I think about. And actually, I went to my 10-year college reunion 
and I ran into some of my college freshman dorm friends. They were a little drunk and we literally <laughs> ran into each other. And the first thing that we talked about was this song and started singing it together. So that's, it tells you how often we played the song and like how big a part it was of my freshman year. And it was a little bit of like the growth of my love for R&B that still is like one of my greatest loves and Mario and Let Me Love You and a lot of his songs were, you know, a little bit of that. A little bit of that flavor. Mm-hmm. Well, good. I hope you all enjoyed us going back to memory going lane. Going back in time. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, let's uh, continue our conversation around college. You should let me love you. Let me be the one to give you everything you want and need. A baby good love and protection. Make me your selection. Show you the way love's supposed to be. Baby, you should let me love you, love you, love you. We asked our listeners what advice they would give college freshmen and wanted to share some of the things that we heard from you all. So I'll get it started. So from Rocio, not Rosario, it's totally okay to hate it and to feel awkward through it and to not know what the hell you want to be. So I think that as freshmen, a lot of students go in thinking that everyone else knows what they're doing and what they want to be and are loving it. And and that's just not the case. I think so many freshmen are going into it feeling homesick and having no idea what they're going to do. So just, you know, just knowing that you're not alone. Yeah. And here's another one from, these are all coming from Twitter, by the way, from at Andy Y. Rivera, Andy Rivera. It is okay to figure out that a four-year college slash university isn't the path for you. Trade school, licensures, community college, all valid paths. Don't be afraid to ask for help. Everyone is lost even after college. Amen. I don't know what I want to be when I grow up, do you? <laughs> I'm still figuring it out. I know, still figuring it out. And yes, there's very there's very many paths that folks can take. And trade school is definitely one of them. Or for example, I know folks that have transitioned careers and have done things like like a data analysis boot camp and have been able to do something like that that's off that traditional going to college avenue. So there's many ways that you can find education beyond high school to get you to the right career. Yes. Okay. So next from essay to Vador, you're the one taking the classes, not your family. Sure, they can have some input on some of your choices, but ultimately it's your education. Don't do something because it's expected of you, even college, because that's a good way to lose interest real fast and... Can I say this? You can say this. Fuck up your GPA. <laughs> yeah. So what do we say? What do we think about that one? Yeah. So I think it's just so many people, especially when we're younger, we're doing things to please others and we end up wasting a lot of time when we do that because we might end up studying, you know, have, getting a whole degree and then finishing college and then realizing that's not actually what we love. It's what our parents loved and then having to restart again. So as early as possible, trying to live for you and discovering what your passions are. So we were talking about this earlier, but, you know, I would love if like in high high school, you know, students took more, you know, strength finder. Yeah. T- great idea. Like right? taking the strength finders early on to figure out what are you good at or what comes naturally to you and following yeah, that versus so starting, like what one else tells right, you. Right. So starting to do more of that self, self-discovery programs and things like that to, to help with that. And did you, did you change your major in college or did uh, you end up following what you started with? So I actually did end up 
following what I, what I started with, but that's because it's the only thing I kind of knew that I sort of liked, you know what I mean? And well, but I started, so I started international relations, but by my senior year, I said, I did start taking more, uh, like tech oriented classes and entrepreneurship classes and more kind of business oriented classes. So I probably would have wanted to do that a little bit earlier than I did. Yeah. And it's good to find your path for me. I know that I started, I think a communications major, but my experience being an undocumented student and being my first poli sci class made me realize, shit, this is what I want to do, poli-sci. So I ended up getting that as my major. And so I love that being open to discovering that while you're in college and to not feel like, make it your choice and not have someone dictate. So I have another one here from at Miguel da Samboni. And he says, always talk to professors and your TA, speak up in every class, show your professor slash TA's drafts or outlines of assignments to give feedback. I started doing that my sophomore year and it helped immensely. See, this is a great tip because I never took advantage of like professors office hours or even talk to the TAs. And this is just, it's like a, it's a really a no brainer. I, I've heard other, a lot of college professors say that they're often bored during their office hours. Like those hours are there for you. You should take advantage of it. Think about it. If, if, and I'm trying to think, putting myself in the place of the professor. If somebody brought me their, their, their paper, I wouldn't re- refuse them the advice. And also, I just think I might remember that person. And I, and the fact of remembering that person, I think that kind of gets to his other piece of advice to like try to always say something in class. You're sometimes you're going to be in these classes with 50, 80 people. And if you, if you can think of raising your hand and contributing, that's going to make you stand out and, and perhaps the professor is going to remember you. Yeah, that's definitely something that I wish I would have taken advantage of. I had amazing professors in college and I just didn't take advantage of office hours. So I totally agree with that. So how about you, Brenda? Is there any advice that you would give college freshmen? Yeah, I would say volunteer for anything you are able to volunteer for. It's really, at least that really helped me, like volunteering to volunteer on on campaigns, volunteering to try out like a new club, just saying yes to every opportunity that comes your way. If you can, if you have the time, of course, is really helpful because it really, it, it helps you expand your network. It helps you be exposed to different experiences. If you can try to do an internship, just basically say yes to every opportunity that comes your way if you have the time to it for it. What about you? Do you have any piece of advice that we should uh, leave folks with? So I would say when you get to college, you really try to put yourself outside of your comfort zone, the where you grow. The- hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. The most it's outside of your comfort zone. So really pushing yourself to go outside your usual circles. And especially for us though, I know that sometimes we need a little bit more of kind of safe spaces. And that's why I think that cultural dorms and, you know, centers are, are, are really important so that we can get back into that safe space when we need it. But to really look at college as an opportunity to really grow and push ourselves beyond, you know, what we usually feel really comfortable in. Yeah, definitely. And if you want a full list of some of the great tips that our listeners provided us, just go to our Twitter account. It's at TamarindoCast and you can see all of the great suggestions. (laughs) 
My dad describes my skin tone as canela or cinnamon, but I've always struggled to find the perfect foundation that matches this piel canela. This is why I was so excited that this summer we got to spoil ourselves with a joint visit to Sephora to find the best foundation for each of us. I got to experience Sephora's Color IQ technology to find the exact match for my skin color, undertone, and skin type. I feel you, girl. I've also struggled to get that right shade for me since I'm like a different shade every season and because I don't wear a lot of makeup. But the Sephora in-store beauty advisor hooked it up, giving us all those useful tips on how to use a foundation. And you know me, I'm such a preguntona. She was so helpful. Yeah, the beauty advisor answered all of those questions that you had, and I know there were plenty. Our visit to Sephora was truly a fun and educational experience. We want to encourage all our listeners to stop by their local Sephora, where they will get to know you and find the products that are right for you. Brenda and I are starting Dance Warriors, a program created to empower women through the art of dance, specifically salsa. I'm really excited about this because I've always wanted to become a better dancer and be more comfortable with my body and ultimately myself. Yeah, the founder of Dance Warriors, Michelle Morales, has an MS in counseling and extensive background in behavioral analysis and dance. She uses her diverse skills to guide women back to themselves and dance their way to self-love. Dance Warriors is a program in Pasadena. It's a 12-week program that's going to start September 15, 2019. It'll meet every Sunday. And there are two programs, one for beginners and one for more experienced dancers. But both programs offer the following, weekly two-hour live dance sessions in Pasadena, transformational lessons and resources, sisterhood and community, monthly meetups, group coaching, unlimited one-on-one access to Michelle via audio and text messaging, guest dance instructors, guest experts on health and wellness, showcase performances at the end of season to celebrate. So fantastic. Seriously. So these programs are by application only to ensure that the program and participants are a good fit. Spots are limited to eight participants for each program so that Michelle can give you her full attention and help you thrive and work together in a very deep way. Additional information can be found at www.michelle-morales.com. And you can check out Michelle on IG at mimorales09, M-I-M-O-R-A-L-E-S-09, or on Facebook, Michelle Morales. Yes, and we'll put the link in our show notes. And the way to spell Michelle is M-I-C-H-E-L-L-E dash M-O-R-A-L-E-S dot com. We wanted to spend a little time talking about what the college landscape looks like today. So here's a figure that I thought was really striking. According to figures from the College Board, from the late 1980s to 2018, the cost of an undergraduate degree has risen by 213% of public schools and 129% of private schools after adjusting for inflation. So college tuition actually was affordable for older generations. So you could actually work your way through college back in the day and have no debt. Can you imagine that, Brenda? Absolutely not. <laughs> yeah, so it's a different different playing field now. But despite the fact that college is very expensive, getting a college degree is still really important and perhaps even more than ever. And a, a report by Education Trust West, a nonprofit which works for the high academic achievement of all students at all levels, and this is a, they do a lot of research, produce a lot of reports. Here's what they have to say about the importance of going to college. By 2020, about 65% of, of American jobs will require some form of, of college compared to just 28% in 1973. So it's 
more expensive, but more important. Compared with high school graduates with no college degree, bachelor's degrees completers are nearly two times less likely to be unemployed and earn nearly 25000 more annually. So you got a lot of money to earn if you go to college. Furthermore, bachelor's degrees completers, bachelor degree completers, that's just a weird word, but hey, the people that wrote this report said completers, I'm going with it, <laughs> on average earn nearly $1 million more over their lifetime than high school graduates that haven't attended college. That's a lot of money. Mm-hmm. We also consulted Paola Santana Wright, who's a strategy officer for state policy at the Lumina Foundation, which works to increase the portion of American with post-secondary ed to 60% by 2025. And what she says is that it's absolutely true that costs have escalated over the last decade and along with it, student loan debt. However, for first-generation and low-income students, post-secondary education, inclusive of college and career technical training, is still the most viable pathway to the middle class. And Paola also has some advice for those searching for colleges. She says that remember that not all institutions are created equal. Educate your about the outcomes the institutions you are considering have with Latinx students. Access, completion, wage, job placement outcomes, those are the type of outcomes that you need to be looking for. And you can use resources like College Scorecard or focus on other criteria like Hispanic serving institutions. So I happen to have gone to a Hispanic serving institution, which was Cal State Fullerton, and they have great outcomes for Latino students. Yes. And the types of institutions you go to make a difference, not only in the types of the outcomes that you have, but also the type of experience that you have as a Latino in college. So Brenda and I read a little bit from a book called Learning to be Latino, How Colleges Shape Identity Politics by Daisy Verdusco Reyes, assistant professor at the University of Connecticut, who described how college campuses shape much more than just your occupational and academic trajectories, but actually mold students' ideas about inequality and opportunity in America, their identities, and how they actually practice politics. So I was curious a little bit about your experience, Brenda, when it comes to, when it came to being a Latina at Cal State Fullerton, uh, your your identity there and politic what, what the political activism was like yeah um well as you're asking me this i'm thinking that i've been studying income inequality since college i was a political science major a professor of mine dr matthewson shout out to dr matthewson can you give him a matraca in case he listens yeah. <laughs> um he, he was Phenomenal, but he was talking and was very concerned way back then about the the narrowing middle class and this huge gap between the wealthy and and like the growing poor. So I've been talking and learning about income inequality since way back then, and things continue to be terrible. So I think those notions of inequality and inequity were formed in college. And then as a Latina, I think I wasn't. Prior to college, I don't think I really was cognizant of privilege or some of the institutional barriers that um, impact Latinx college attainment. And of course, I know I've, I've shared this before, but my experience was also shaped by the fact that I was undocumented. So I navigated college as an AB 540 student, which is that state law in California that allowed me to access college as a resident, even though I was I was not. So all of that kind of shaped my experience at this commuter campus and, again, a Latinx-serving institution. But 
one other thing too is like just even though this was like quote unquote Latinx serving institution, I don't think that I was uh, well equipped or resourced to access those things that made it a welcoming space for Latino students. For example, at the end of college, there was this graduation for Latinos, and I wasn't invited. I don't think people knew that like I was one of these students. So I even though all of the things were there, I didn't even have the guidance to know to tap those resources. So that just kind of tells you how challenging it can be to even thrive in spaces where you're supposed to, right? We're supposed to be set up for your success. What was it for you? Well, so at the time, just a quick question, follow yeah. up. So at the time, would you were you connected with the Latino organizations on campus? Not the official college ones, but I like, like the official university ran ones. <laughs> like there were spaces, but I didn't know about these. Um, but I was involved with Mecha. So that was, but that was like a student led thing. Mm-hmm. And I, and it wasn't until graduation when I saw these people going to the special Latino graduation and thinking, Hey, I wasn't invited to that, that I realized somehow I was not connected. Mm. Yeah. So poo poo on you, Cal State Fullerton. <laughs> what about you? Uh, so uh, Stanford, I'd say was like something between a re like a, it's a research university. It also kind of felt like a liberal arts college at the same time. And when I started college, I wasn't super, I, I, I shared this earlier, but I wasn't really trying to be really connected to my Latinx identity at first because I didn't want to be defined in that way. So my goal going into Stanford was, uh, I wanted to go beyond my, 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 the circle that I knew really well and go beyond my, my comfort zone. So I got to know different communities. So at first I wasn't really plugged in with the Latinx community. It wasn't until my senior, my junior and senior year when I started to get a little bit more plugged in and I actually got a job at the El Centro Chicano, which was the Chicano and Latino Student Center on campus. And so that was kind of, so it was much later in, in my college career. So, um, you know, I don't know what the, the political activism climate was like at Stanford because I didn't, I didn't plug myself in at the beginning. Um, and, and I was, I went to the, our 10 year, it actually was Stanford Latino Alumni Summit. And I talked to other, other students and they told me that, you know, it didn't really feel like there was a lot of political activism happening on campus at the time that, that we were there. So I think it was kind of just like a, maybe it was something about the institution. Like there were definitely, there was definitely a lot of planning, but there wasn't, I never saw like protests. So that wasn't a commonplace occurrence. Whereas I know, so I think it was a combination of institution and time. Cause I know that back in the sixties, like we went, we met some alumni that went to Stanford back in the sixties and seventies. And when there were hardly any Latinos and they were actually really active in terms of bringing more Latinos on campus, actually went to the Dean and said, Hey, we need, we have no representation here on campus. How can we get more Latinos here at Stanford and actually helped recruit students, helped, um, you know, protest the, the war that was happening. So I think it was a combination of institution and also just the climate around when I, when I went to school. Yeah. That, that, that makes me want to invite our listeners, like, especially all of you that are in college at this moment in time, yeah. and we mentioned it earlier, but actually get, get back to us tell us what is it like right now on your campus? Is there a lot of activism? Is there some energy? Are you, are you tapping the right resources to make that experience positive for you and getting connected to all that? Yeah. My sense is that it, it, they're probably, is a lot more activism happening now than there was when when I was in college, at least. Or I wonder what it was like at Berkeley. You know, the the, the public university on the other side of the bay that is much more known for for political activism. Yeah, very curious things. Tell us all about it. So, what can we do with all this information? We kind of told you college is expensive. It's more expensive now than ever, yet more necessary. And and what we didn't touch too much about uh, on earlier is that. 
folks in order to afford college have to turn to private loans. So that's the other elephant in the room is that there's a lot of people in debt going to college, even though we think it's really, really important. So what we at least at minimum can do is maybe start thinking about as you're trying to figure out who your favorite presidential candidate is, is figure out, are they even talking about college access and making it affordable? Because clearly we've, we've cited how important it is. And uh, to kind of transition to our matraca section here, I'm going to use this opportunity to give my matraca to my favorite presidential candidate right now, which is Elizabeth Warren, and specifically her college plan. Yeah. Matraca to Elizabeth Warren. And I, I recently went to her event, so I'm definitely on that train. So um, recently, Vox called her plan the biggest college plan yet, and it includes both a debt forgiveness program and ideas to make college more accessible. So here's what the sweeping plan would include, as cited by Fox. So Warren's plan would cancel 50000 Dollars in student loan debt for every person with household incomes under a hundred thousand, and give substantial debt cancellation to every person with household incomes between a hundred thousand and two hundred and fifty thousand. So there's a limit to that, right? It's like not for everybody, but people that get that make this much money. The other thing she wants to do is she wants to make public two and four year institutions tuition free and expand Pell Grant funding to go towards additional college costs like housing, transportation, food, and books. So this is actually really interesting because a lot of other plans don't go far enough to talk about the other expenses. Like you might be like for example, I think Anishela, you were telling me that college you got a scholarship, but you still have to pay all these other things like books and house and board. Mm-hmm. And it makes it really expensive. So she's she wants to go a little bit beyond just tuition, but addressing all these other costs. And she wants to cut off for-profit colleges from receiving any federal funds, including federal student loans or military benefits. These schools tend to account for a huge number of defaults on, on their loan payments. A majority of students who attend for-profit colleges default within three to five years after they begin repaying what they owe. Yikes. Wow. So the other last thing, the last thing that she's going to do is create a $50 billion fund for historically black colleges and universities and minority serving institutions and add more money to it over time, which is, this kind of goes to what Paola was saying earlier is that like not all colleges are the same, right? There's there are certain places that are going to, well, actually, didn't, as, I, as I'm thinking about this, because I talked to Paola on a number of other things, so I didn't mention this earlier, but one of the things that she said is that um, when we talk about attainment, college attainment for Latinos and other students, it's not just like, Getting them, what makes them, what makes programs succeed is not funding everything equally. Is you have to fund things with more resources for minorities so that to, to kind of make equitably, like make things more equitable. So that's something else that Paula said, and I think that kind of addresses to what Warren is going to do to invest in an intentional way to um, support students of color. Yeah, I love that. And I think because what we've identified is we have kind of a conundrum, right? College is getting much more expensive than it was in the past. So most of us, especially communities of color, are finishing college with so much debt. But yet we're also being told that college is so necessary. And so it's like what, how we have to go to college, but then that also means that we're going to come out of college with so much debt. 
Yeah. So we're kind of, it feels like, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, Screw it no matter what, man. Yeah. We're like indentured, <laughs> servi- indentured servitude is kind of what it feels yeah, like, you know? Yeah, in debt, totally. With yeah. all that. Yeah. And, and, um, y'all can read some more about Warren and we'll put the, uh, our show notes, we'll put a link to her plan, but that's kind of what she's talked, what, what inspired her to do this, according to this column that she wrote in, in Medium. So coming from her voice is that she's really concerned that people have all this debt and that's actually impacting home ownership that's impacting so much. I, earlier, you even talked about becoming a small business owner, how you have to factor the fact that you have student loan debt and that eats up your um, access to capital to start your business. Yeah, exactly. It's like, I feel like I, I have to think about, put at the balance, you know, following my passion and paying off my school debt. So much. You know? So I think you're, are you co-signing my matraca? Yes, I'm co-signing your matraca, 100%. Yeah, matraca for Elizabeth Warren. All right, Brenda, uh, what about your basura? My basura? Okay, well, to keep it political... I'm not going to go into too much detail into this because by the time this airs, there might be yet another mass shooting. But my basura goes to Senate Majority Mitch McConnell, who refuses to take meaningful action on gun control. There have been more mass shootings than there have been days in 2019, and Republicans won't take action. So get in that dumpster, Mitch. Yeah. What about you, Anishela? Your basura. So unfortunately, as a basketball lover, this is really sad for me to say, but my basura goes to LeBron James. So, yep. So LeBron filed a trademark, the term Taco Tuesday. Like, who does that? Like, to keep Taco Tuesday for himself? So, yeah. So basically, like, you can't be using it in memes. Like, you can't be promoting it in anything online that's social media related or... Yeah. Well, you know Ter- what? Terrible. So not only... And first of all, like, I don't know if you've watched... Have you watched any of these videos? No, I don't watch So he does basketball. these little videos... <laughs> There's these little Taco Tuesday videos where he's like making some like basic looking tacos that, you know, aren't even real tacos, but whatever. That's a whole nother thing. But he usually at the end of his little clips, he has this very cringy, like, quote unquote, like Mexican grito that I I can't help but find offensive. And he does it after every single, you know, so I feel like we've been giving him a pass on that already. Yeah. And then now he's trying to trademark this. So basically no one, even though, you know, we've got so many different Latinos that are, you know, that have different taco businesses and basically they would not be allowed to use Taco Tuesday as a marketing. Yeah. You go on La Basura, LeBron. La Basura. Yeah. Well, um, you know, who doesn't go to La Basura, not us. You all write us a great review. We hope you love this episode and uh, we can't wait to hear from you in the future. Ciao. Ciao. Tamarindo Podcast is independently produced by Brenda Gonzalez and Ana Sheila Victorino with sound engineering by Jeff DeVoe. If you were a fan of the show, we hope you will rate and review Tamarindo on Apple Podcasts or share Tamarindo Podcast with a friend. We'd love to hear from you. Follow us on the gram at Tamarindo Podcast or on Twitter at TamarindoCast and find us at TamarindoPodcast.com. Cuando mi arrendador dijo que el alquiler podría ser más barato si fuéramos amigos con beneficios. Había oído hablar de acoso sexual en el lugar de trabajo, pero en mi casa. Eso es discriminación en la vivienda basada en el sexo. La gente de bienes raíces dijo que estaríamos más cómodos viviendo en un vecindario diferente con gente como nosotros. Por suerte conocíamos nuestros derechos. Es ilegal asustar a los posibles propietarios para que se alejen de ciertos vecindarios en función de raza o nacionalidad. 
Si usted cree que sufrió discriminación o tiene preguntas sobre sus derechos, comuníquese con Fair Housing Foundation, Fundación de Vivienda Justa, al 800-446-3247 o también en línea en fhfca.org. La vivienda justa es su derecho. Este es un anuncio de servicio público de Fair Housing Foundation y respaldado por el Departamento de Vivienda y Desarrollo Urbano HUD bajo la subvención de FIPPI FPEI 220099. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.